You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, and today we're going to discuss whether Matthew 24, also known as the Olivet Discourse, is meant for Christians or for Jews. In all the discussions that take place about end times and the last days, probably no question is more central to what Christians need to do to prepare for the return of Jesus. Now, why is that? As we said, Matthew 24 better known as the Olivet Discourse, has versions of it found in Luke 21 and Mark 13 as well. It was the one time in Scripture where Jesus sat down with his disciples and explained in detail to them what would happen in the end times and what his followers were supposed to do when those things happened. It is probably the most central teaching on end times in the Bible. So it's a question we really need to answer. Imagine if you spent your entire life thinking this chapter didn't apply to you, only to discover, to your horror in the last days, that it did apply. And you had spent your entire life ignoring Jesus' primary teaching about the days you were about to go through, the last days. Not understanding Jesus' commands for this time period could easily result in the type of falling away from the faith that Jesus mentions in this chapter back in verse 10. And in the next chapter, Matthew 25. So we absolutely need a reliable answer to this question. The most straightforward way to answer it is to ask, did Jesus directly say this teaching was meant only for the Jews? No. The answer is he didn't. He did mention some things related to Judaism, the practice of the Jewish religion, but nowhere did he say that this chapter was only for the Jews. We probably should stop here and think about what that means. We could probably discuss the nuances of those things, these Jewish things, and we will in today's discussion. But if Jesus didn't directly say this sermon was for the Jews and applied it to the Jews alone, isn't it dangerous to assume that it is for them? Isn't that presuming your interpretation of other places in Scripture are correct? Isn't it safer to hope your interpretation is correct, but to also acknowledge you could be wrong, you could be mistaken, and to study and prepare as if Matthew 24 is for Christians as well. Isn't this being humble as Jesus always instructed us to be? Now, the rest of today's discussion is my interpretation of this question, and I definitely think Matthew 24 was meant for believers in the first century and still is today. It's my humble opinion. If you read Matthew 24 in context, you will see it's preceded by Matthew 23. Wow, not rocket science, is it? And that other chapter, Matthew 23, is addressed to the nation of Israel and to the Jewish leaders. The Pharisees 
and Jewish leaders had just finished testing Jesus with all kinds of questions. His perfect answers left them dumbfounded. Then he let them have it, calling them a brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. Jesus concluded his rant against the leaders of Israel with this well-known phrase, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Matthew 23 is the chapter which Jesus specifically addressed to the nation of Israel, who would be left desolate until they called upon Jesus' name and acknowledged him as their Messiah. Notice Jesus was specific in addressing this chapter, Matthew 23, to the scribes and Pharisees. This chapter is for and about the mistakes made by the nation of Israel, and it includes their entire end-time instructions, which were very simple. They were to call on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They were to acknowledge Jesus. That's it. That's their entire end time instruction. Because until you call on the name of Jesus, what else matters? Matthew 24, however, is the chapter which Jesus addressed to his followers, his disciples. And it's full of instructions because his followers have already called upon the name of Jesus. So they need only the second part of the instruction. Also notice in chapter 23, the chapter meant for the nation of Israel, Jesus told them their temple was left desolate, that they wouldn't hear from him again until they called on his name. This is further proof that the very next chapter is not for them, but for Christians because he was done with them already at that point. Frankly, in my opinion, that is all the evidence any of us need to conclude that Matthew 24 is for Christians because Jesus was already done talking to the Jews. He wasn't going to have anything else to say. So anything after Matthew 23 is not about the Jews, but instructions for someone else who has to be Jesus's followers. But you know, the chapter itself is full of further evidence that it's for Christians. In verse 9, Jesus tells us that all nations will hate the Christians because of his name. Now, the nation of Israel is not associated with Jesus' name in any way. Only Christians are. In verse 14, he speaks of the gospel being preached to the whole world. The unsaved within the nation of Israel don't have anything to do with the preaching of the gospel. Christians do. And then three times, Jesus speaks to a group he calls the elect. In verse 22, he told his disciples that the days of the great tribulation would be cut short specifically for this group, the elect. In verse 24, he told them that false prophets and messiahs would deceive everyone else on earth except this group, the elect. And in verse 31, angels would gather together this group into the presence of Jesus. So, are the elect Christians or Jews? Well, in the New Testament, when referring to people, this term, the elect or chosen, never, ever, ever refers to unsaved Jews, only to believers in Jesus. So to say the elect are Jews is scripturally to ignore the rest of the New Testament. 
In the Old Testament now, this term did apply to the nation of Israel, but in the New Testament, it is exclusively meant for Christians. Second, one of those uses in verse 24, where Jesus said everyone on earth would be deceived by the false prophets, even the elect would have been if that were possible. Well, why isn't it possible for the elect? Think about it. There's only one reason, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So unsaved Jews in no way have the Holy Spirit in their lives to protect them in this way until they're saved. So this can only apply to saved Christians. Plus, we have direct proof that the term the elect in Matthew 24 was meant to be the church. A first century Christian document, the Didache, was used to train new Christians for catechism. And in one section of this document, it quotes Matthew 24, 31. And Matthew 24, 31 is the section where the elect are gathered together. But in this document, instead of using that term, the elect, it substitutes the word church. Remember, Lord, thy church to deliver it from all evil, to make it perfect in thy love and to gather it together in its holiness from the four winds to thine kingdom, which thou hast prepared for it. So first century Christians believed it was the church who angels would gather together in Matthew 24. So given all this evidence, what possible reasons might anyone give for thinking Matthew 24 is meant only for unsaved Jews? Well, because the terms Judea and Sabbath appear in that chapter, terms that are primarily Jewish in application. So let's see if that point of argument makes any sense at all. Here is the section of scripture that those references come from. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then, Those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, but woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in winter or on Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Matthew 24, 16 through 21. Jesus is telling us that after the sign of the abomination of desolation, a widespread tribulation is about to occur, a great persecution of God's people, both Jews and Gentiles. And Jesus instructs both of these groups, Jews and Gentiles. In fact, everyone in the region of Judea is to flee to the mountains. Both terms, Judea and Sabbath, are included in this section about fleeing to the mountains. Now, Judea includes Jerusalem and the West Bank area. Why did Jesus choose this area, Judea? Well, because that will be the epicenter of the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist will sit in the temple of God in Jerusalem and the persecution will begin right there. It has nothing to do with Jews or Gentiles or the difference between them. And it is an instruction that everyone in that region must flee from the Antichrist, not just the Jews. Jesus goes on to give this group special instructions unique to that region of Judea. 
They are not to return to their homes to get supplies and other things, but are to hurry out of the area as quickly as possible. He then mentions four things that will potentially impede their flight to the mountains. Women who are pregnant, women who are nursing, if it is winter or if it is Sabbath. In fact, Jesus asks all of us who read Matthew 24 to pray that their flight won't take place at these two latter times, winter and Sabbath. Now, it should be obvious why pregnancy or nursing might slow your escape, and a snowy, icy winter road would make escape slower as well. But what about Sabbath? Why is that there? Torah-observant Jews walk on the Sabbath. For such observant Jews who are trying to escape, this is a big problem. And even for Christians, Jews walking will clog the roads and make escape out of Judea equally difficult. So these four things, pregnancy, nursing mothers, winter, and Sabbath are all mentioned because they slow one's escape, not because this is just for Jews who observe the Sabbath. This warning is for everyone who lives in the area of Judea. So if you're an outsider to this controversy, you're probably asking yourself, Why is this even a thing? I mean, why wouldn't you think something Jesus said to his disciples would be for Christians? Just one day later, after all, Jesus ate the Last Supper with them and gave them upper room discourse instructions, which everyone acknowledges is for Christians. So why not this earlier chapter? Why do so many believe this chapter was only for the Jews? The answer is probably because... Whoever this chapter was written for will face the events in the chapter, events that happened during the 70th week of Daniel. To many, that is a very uncomfortable proposition, if that group includes Christians. Now, I'm Nelson Walters, and I'm the author of 10 books, including How to Prepare for the Last Days, all available on Amazon. I'm the founder of Last Days Overcomers, a ministry devoted to preparing believers for the days prior to the rescue we spoke of today. We provide resources and conferences throughout the Western Hemisphere doing just that. You can visit our websites at lastdaysovercomer.org, overcomer, no S, and join us in that effort if you're so moved. The majority of my teaching is found on the Nelson Walters YouTube channel, where we have more than 500 videos, which are viewed by millions each year. Till next time, blessings. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 